The Lord be with you. Let me tell you the story of how I got COVID. You may remember this past summer that my stepsister's husband died at age 49, leaving behind his wife Katie and his two kids, my niece and nephew. Well, about two months ago, I got word that a good friend of Katie's was going to let her use a house in Hawaii in the second week of November. So, this past Sunday, after our All Saints Day potluck, I flew out to the Big Island. And there, I got to meet up not only with Katie and my niece and nephew, but also with our brother Ian and his family and my dad and stepmom. We were all together in one big house, and we spent our first day snorkeling and kayaking, and our second day visiting botanical gardens and admiring the natural beauty of Hawaii. And at the end of the second day, I started to notice that I was getting a bit of a stuffy nose, but I didn't worry about it. Figured maybe it's allergies, and, and so I went to bed. And the next morning, I woke up feeling pretty fatigued, and my nose had gotten even worse, and so I figured, well, what the heck, I'll, I'll just take a COVID test. Within minutes of dropping in the test strip, the double lines came up to show that I was positive. This perfect trip to Hawaii suddenly ruined, and I felt in that moment what must have been similar to the reaction of Jesus' disciples when upon admiring the beautiful temple in Jerusalem, Jesus said to them, oh yeah, all that's going to be torn down. You may remember that for the past two months, we've explored the story of how the Jewish people had their home in Jerusalem burned to the ground by the Babylonians, had their temple destroyed and were forced to go into exile in Babylon, and how after 70 long years of yearning to return home, they finally got the chance to do that, and they rebuilt the temple, their dream. And it wasn't as impressive as they had hoped it would be, but God said someday it would get impressive once more. And sure enough, it took 500 years, but Herod the Great rebuilt the temple to a glory beyond what Solomon had built it to be. And that's this magnificent building that Jesus' disciples are looking at, seeing in this place the fulfillment of their ancestors' hopes and dreams, saying, finally, at last, it's all perfect. When Jesus says to them, oh yeah, but it's all going to get torn down. And Jesus' disciples say, What? Really? Well, when? And Jesus says, you know, a better question is how are you going to react when it happens? Because Jesus says, look, there's going to be a lot of false messiahs who show up in that moment claiming to be me, offering you a way out. Don't believe them. And I will admit, I was, I was clinging on to some false messiahs in Hawaii when I uh, started to get those sniffles. I said, well, you know what? Probably if I take some allergy pills, these will clear up real quick or, you know, just another good night's sleep and I'll be feeling fine. I don't need to take a COVID test. Nothing wrong here. Jesus tells his disciples in this time of trial, your families will betray you. And I will admit in this time of trial in Hawaii, it was me who was tempted to betray my family by not getting tested, by putting them at risk because I didn't want to face the truth. Now, for a lot of Christians who read Luke 21, they see this as a, a prediction of the future about the end of the world. But Jesus is clear. This is a prediction of the future, 
But it's not about the end of the world. It's about the end of the temple. It's about the end of Jerusalem. And for us who are reading in the 21st century, Jesus' prediction has already come true. There were indeed wars and rebellions. The Jewish people rose up in rebellion against Rome in 66 AD, but the end had not quite yet come for the temple. It took four more years for the Roman army to sack Jerusalem and burn the temple to the ground. And indeed, in the events surrounding the destruction of Jerusalem, there were plagues and famines. Families did turn on each other. Christians were suspect. But in the midst of all this suffering, Jesus also promises disciples that there will be blessings. First, he says that they will have the opportunity in the midst of their persecutions to testify about him. And they truly did. Jesus tells his disciples that not a hair on their head will perish. And we need to be clear that Jesus doesn't mean that his disciples will be exempt from the suffering and death that comes from Jerusalem's destruction. In fact, two sentences earlier, Jesus explicitly says that some of them will perish. This is instead a promise of the resurrection. It is a promise about God's power to preserve us even through death and restore us to life. Which brings us to the most important of the blessings that Jesus promises disciples in the midst of this suffering, which is that through their endurance, they will save their souls. For so long, God's people had put their hope in a place in the kingdom of Israel, and even more specifically in the city of Jerusalem, and even more specifically in the temple. When they were in the midst of their exodus, they dreamed of it. When they were in exile in Babylon, they longed for it. When it was conquered by Greece and then Rome, they rebelled to liberate it. But every time they thought, at last this place is in our grasp, it was destroyed. Time and time again, just as Jesus predicted, Jews and Christians alike had to make sense of this, had to make sense of passages like Isaiah 65, in which God says, I will make Jerusalem a joy, and I will make its people a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and I will delight in my people. Never again shall the sound of weeping be heard in it, or the sound of suffering. Christians looked at Jerusalem reduced to rubble and filled with the sound of weeping and suffering, and they had to think to themselves, how is this possible? Until at last they realized that the Jerusalem that God is describing is not a Jerusalem made by them, but instead, as God describes in Isaiah, it is a Jerusalem that God will create. They realized that at the end of the day, it didn't matter which land they claimed, which building they constructed, even which government they formed. No matter how perfect a place they tried to create, they could never create a city in which there was never suffering or weeping. They could never create a city in which no children ever died. They couldn't create a city in which the wolf and the lamb would lay down together, or in which the lion would eat straw. 
Only God could create that. So long as Jerusalem is a place made by people, it can never be perfect. The home we long for is in fact not a place at all, but a person, the person of Jesus. For it is Jesus who takes away our sorrow. It is Jesus who gives us life. It is Jesus who is our peace. Jesus is the true Jerusalem. And we, as members of the body of Christ, are its inhabitants no matter where we live. Jesus tells his followers that by enduring the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, they will save their souls. For by seeing Jerusalem destroyed, those followers of Jesus came to realize that their hope is not in a place, but in a person. That paradise is not where you are, but who you're with. That the kingdom of God is not where you stand, but how you are in Jesus. That our calling as Christians is not to build one specific city in one place, but to be the body of Christ in every place. And that's what I got to experience this past week with COVID. Because yes, my perfect vacation adventures were ruined. I didn't get to climb a volcano. I didn't get to swim with the manta rays, which the rest of my family did. But at the same time, that's not why I went on this trip. I went on this trip because when my brother-in-law died, I prayed that God wouldn't leave Katie and her kids without a family. And when I got an invitation to go be with them, to go be together with our family, I took this as an answer to prayer. When I got COVID, it was amazing. I instantly became Katie's little brother once again. She loaded me up with vitamins. She was pouring juice down my throat. She got blankets to keep me warm when I had fever chills. And when I said to them, I'm unclean, you need to abandon me and save yourselves. They said, what? No, you can come with us. They said, we're going to go kayaking. We need someone to stay on the beach and watch our stuff. You need some place to take a nap. Why not do it right there? So I got to spend my first day of COVID lying on the beach, looking at the waves come in. The next day, we just hung out on the beautiful patio at the house. We told stories and ate food and laughed at jokes while geckos climbed on our feet. We were a family. We were exactly what I had prayed that we would be. We were a thousand miles, thousands of miles from anyone's house, but we were home because we were together. We were in paradise, not because of where we were, but because who we were with. We were with each other, but more importantly, we were with Christ because we were Christ for each other. In that place, we were the kingdom of God. And so, when you feel like even paradise is imperfect, may you remember that the kingdom of God is not where we are. It is how we are in Christ. Amen.